Welcome to Lessons from the Helpful Dead, where you'll learn the world is not what it seems and you are much more than you think you are. Here you'll learn about positive and reassuring messages from supposedly dead people, whose main purpose is to help us. Find out what happens after we die, why we're here, how we got here, where we're going, and discover that you are really a powerful eternal spirit. I'm Dan McEnany. In the last couple of episodes, we talked about the precognitive abilities of consciousness units, which make up the cells. And uh, today we're going to talk not only about that, but about the precognitive ability of us humans, of animals. And we'll also talk a little bit about angel birds and earth gods. I'll be reading Seth's comments on these issues, but adding my own observations as well. First, here's Seth. Your particular society has set up such an artificial division between intuitional and intellectual knowledge that only the intellectually apparent is given credence. With all of their dire faults and distortions, religions have at least kept alive the idea of unseen, valid worlds and given some affirmation to concepts that are literally known by the cells. The conscious mind has always been aware of the cell's comprehension. The invisible reality within the cell is what gives it its structure. The remarkable organization of the body in terms of its learning abilities and adaptability will never be understood unless the cell's precognitive comprehension is taken into consideration. And now Seth begins to discuss how the precognitive abilities of the cells, which is given to us at a certain level, how important it is for our own development. He says, This precognitive ability steers the cell through mazes of probabilities, while allowing it to retain knowledge of its own greatest fulfillment. Its own greatest fulfillment. The idea of itself, which is always alive in any given period of your time. On a different kind of scale, then, each individual has the same sort of idealized version of the self. Let me repeat that. On a different scale, each individual has the same sort of idealized version of the self. And so does each species. Here I mean each species. And I'm not simply referring to mankind. Obviously, these are not apparent to the physical senses, yet they are strong energy centers. Strong energy centers that to some degree do stimulate the physical senses toward activity. To that degree, then, there are indeed, quote, tree gods, gods of the forest, and, quote, gods of being, connected with each person. So there are, then, these energy centers that propel every living thing toward its own idealized version of itself. And these energy centers tend to guide us through a maze of probabilities where, in our reality, with our uptight focus on one particular reality, we bring just one of those probabilities into the material world that we experience. 
though Seth has said in a sense that these energy centers could be called uh, gods and connected with each of us. And then he goes on to talk about angels. Angels have been represented in just this fashion. At one time, there were also species of birds with high intelligence. They were not humanoid, not, for example, people with wings. They were large birds with the capacity for dealing with concepts. They were social, could swim well, and for some time could live on the water. They had songs of great beauty and a most extensive vocabulary. They had talons. When he was a cave dweller, man saw these birds often, particularly in cliffs by water. Many times the birds saved children from falling. Man identified with their easy flight up the cliff sides and followed the sounds of their songs to safe clearings. These memories turned into angel images. Now, those of you who have listened to a lot of the earlier episodes uh, might remember that I mentioned this in one or more of them. Now, next, Seth goes on to talk about uh, some of the conditions of reality when, indeed, those birds existed. He says, In each case in those times, there was the greatest cooperation on a global scale between species. The inner impetus toward development, however, came from the innate comprehension of future probabilities. In that picture, all species alive at any time joined. This included plants and fauna. Those who cooperated survived, but they did not think in terms of the survival of their own species alone, but in time terms of a greater living picture or world inviolate in which all survived. So apparently then there was a time when mankind existed in great cooperation with all the animal species. You have to wonder then about the emergence these days, it seems, of more animal communicators. People like uh, Anna Breitenbach and her El Diablo video and her other videos. And of course, Patty Summers, whom I know personally. But let's go back to uh, what Seth says here. There are various orders of existence even within in your system itself. You merely focus upon the one to which you are oriented. There are then, quote, spirits of all natural things. But unfortunately, even when you consider such possibilities, you project your own religious ideas of good and evil upon them. You may simply dismiss such concepts as silly, for they seem intellectually scandalous to many. If you do entertain such ideas yourself, you must often personify such spirits, projecting upon them your own ideas of personhood. Instead, you should think of them as different kinds or orders of species that are connected with all natural living things. These spirits certainly have a reality in energy, and they aid in the conversion of energy into physical terms. They are active rather than passive. You see about you physical forces and think nothing of them. For example, you feel the wind and its effects, but you cannot see it. The wind itself is invisible. So these other forces are also invisible. In basic terms, they're no more good or evil than the wind is. I say this because you usually imagine 
that if something is good, there must be a countering force that is evil. Such is not the case. In greater terms, these forces are good. They are protective. They nourish every living thing. They have been the impetus for what you think of as evolution. They are biological in that they are to some extent composed of mass cellular knowledge. But they're basically free of time, directing physical activity in time and thereby maintaining physical equilibrium. I should point out here that uh, in view of the recent war and how it started, uh, the war between Hamas and Israel, the behavior of Hamas is certainly something all of us would simply call evil. So in our time-space illusion, we do have apparent good and evil, and right now it's all too apparent. But outside of our human time-space illusion, Seth has mentioned many times uh, that all is good. So to go back then, Seth was making the point that these invisible spirit forces are basically free of time, but by choosing probabilities, or helping us choose them, working the way through the maze of probabilities, they are directing physical activity in time. And Seth goes on, there is great cooperation again between such forces. In such a way, one tree in a forest knows of the entire environment and its relationship in it. Its treeness can merge with soilness, for example. Now that's an interesting thought to consider, one I've touched on in the past about the knowledge of trees, their ability to know what's 50 years in the future and 50 years in the past and the spot where they are. And that's especially interesting in light of uh, the current ideas posed by the entrepreneur Bill Gates, who founded Microsoft, who wants to cut down a lot of trees and bury them in the soil for purposes of uh, lowering the carbon dioxide in the air. In that regard, I would advise anyone to read Alex Epstein's book. <clears throat> the title is Fossil Future. I won't go into it here, but it touches on the whole notion of reducing CO2 in the atmosphere and how plants need CO2 in order to grow and flourish. But back to the uh, spirits, the notion of the spirits that Seth talks about. He says, because you are people, you personify what you perceive. You peopleize it. You imagine such, quote, spirits to be small people, endowed with your own kind of characteristics. Instead, there are simply species of consciousness, entirely different from your own, not usually perceived physically under most conditions. They are indeed connected with flora and fauna, but also with the animals and yourselves. They are the, quote, earth gods that Rupert, that's his word for Jane Roberts, that Rupert imagined as a young person. Now, some of you may recall in previous episodes, I talked about uh, Meredith Young Sowers and how she communicated with the spirit of the peas who asked her to please fix the fence and attach the vine closer to the fence so they wouldn't have to be swaying all the time in the wind. And to make their point, they had her experience what they were experiencing 
when they swayed in the wind. So Seth is making the point that the spirit that each species has could be called uh, their, the god of that uh, species. And then he goes on. He said, you each have your own earth god. The term may not be the best, but it's meant to express the portion of you that is as yet unexpressed in your terms. The idealized earth version of yourself, what you are becoming. The idealized version is not meant to mean a perfect self and flesh at all. Instead, it represents a psychic reality in which your own abilities fulfill themselves in relationship with your earthly environment to the fullest extent possible within the time and place that you've already chosen. Now, in the past, I've referred to this as the inner self, the part of us that is aware of future probabilities and has an impetus to steer us toward the idealized version of ourselves, and I might add, in accordance with the fulfillment of our values. Now, you might ask, well, what about these Hamas terrorists who have cut off people's heads and murdered babies and uh, women and the like. And you are indeed right to question that. Well, the answer is that they do indeed have an idealized version of themselves, but it's quite well hidden from them, hidden by the intensity of their hatred, which causes them to have values that are not at all like those of most Western civilizations. But from the larger perspective, we can be assured that even their souls, perhaps in some distant future as we think of the future, even their souls will have values that help, protect, uh, help propel them toward an idealized version of themselves, one which is in good, indeed good. As Seth goes on, the earth god portion of yourself attempts to direct you through probabilities, again on deep biological levels beneath normal consciousness, and on psychic levels above normal consciousness, you are aware of the integrity of your being, but also of your great connection, your great connection while living in flesh with the natural environment of time and space. The Earth God concept can be consciously used but only to your greatest advantage if you understand the purpose of your conscious mind and its relationship with your biological nature. And he concludes, your conscious mind tells you where you are in time and space and directs your activity in a world of human action. That world has its own kind of rich complication that is as unknown to the animals as much of their acute realization is unknown to you. And here he talks about the importance of our conscious mind. Because you have a conscious mind, then, other portions of your being rely upon it to give them an adequate picture of your situation and to give the conscious orders for action. These orders will then be carried out. To do this, you must use that mind as completely as possible. The picture of reality in time and space that you give to your cells, C-E-L-L-S, to your cells, must be accurate. They, the cells, must act on a minute-to-minute, second-to-second, microsecond-to-microsecond basis, even though their own orientation is not familiar with your time concept. 
So that relates to a point that's been made many times in these discussions, and that is with the focus of our conscious mind, with the intense focus of our conscious mind, we tend to bring about what we experience. We don't know that. We think otherwise, but that's the way it is. We are focus mechanisms. And as Seth terms us, we're focus personalities. That part of our big self that focuses on this human time-space illusion for our own purposes of growth. And when we do, we accept the basic realities uh, that there's space, there's time, that we are different from each other, and that there's good and evil. I'd like to make one last point, and that is that this concept, the concept that we all have a spirit force within us that directs us toward uh, our own greatest uh, realization of ourselves, consistent with our values, this is a very, very positive point. It means that despite the horrors going on all around the world today, not just with Hamas and Israel, but um, the Ukraine and Russia and China and all the places where people are persecuted and suffering, there will eventually come a time when all humans do recognize the spirit force and follow it towards their own best realization of themselves. That might indeed be quite distant in our future, but what we have to remember is, outside of the human time-space illusion, the future, the past, and the present are all going on right now in all of their various probabilities. That's it for today, and once more, I'm Dan McEnany, bringing you lessons from the helpful dead.